Becky from Millspring Church, and I'm so excited that you've joined us for our Unaccepted series. In this series, we're looking at how Jesus has been interacting and communicating and mingling with people who are looked at as unaccepted, outcasts, less than. We are getting ready to jump into our next part of the series as we hear from Graham Wilson share the next message in the Unaccepted series. Have any of you ever had an awkward scenario at a gym? That you've maybe gone to a local gym, and again, you're working out with other people, so you can tend to run into some awkward situations. So for those of you that don't know, there was a time that I was 70 pounds heavier than I am now. There's a picture, I think, on the, on the yes, <laughs> very special. And at that time, my best friend, Garrett Houston, who's here this morning, came to me and said, Graham, it's time, it's time that you do something about your weight, it's time that you do something about your health. And again, I don't know if you've ever struggled with your weight, but that was something I struggled with my entire life. And I had finally gotten to a point that I said, you know what, it's time. I want to be in ministry for a long time. I want to raise a family. And if I want to do that, I'm going to need to start taking care of my health. So in that process, I began to lose the weight. I, I got into weightlifting, I got into diet, and I lost that 70 pounds. And in that process, my first gym membership was the Planet Fitness in South Toms River. Some of you may even work out there. And I remember one evening, I'm working out, okay? Now, you know when you work out and, like, you'll go on Instagram for a bit, and then you'll go to your workout, and you'll Instagram for a bit, work out? I was in the middle of my workout, okay, and I feel a tap on my shoulder. Now, listen, I want you to turn to the person next to you right now and tap them on the shoulder. Okay, yeah, if you don't know that person, that was really awkward, okay? So in the middle of my workout, I feel this tap on the shoulder, and the guy says to me, um, listen, I've been watching you, and I have some tips and tricks for you to work out. Couple observations. Um, number one, I'm what you call an introvert. I like my personal time, and I like my personal space. This guy broke both of those. So as I'm standing there, then he says, yeah, I've been watching you. Okay, that's really creepy. <laughs> Don't watch other guys at the gym. Going to the gym for me, my number one priority is to go in, make as little eye contact as possible, and then get out. It's like going to the urinal for a guy. You go in, you do your business, you have no conversations, and you go out. And before I even had a moment to say anything, this guy goes into a barrage of, this is, I watched this YouTube video and I think you could do this and I think you could do that. And I'm just standing there like, what is happening? <laughs> so he finally gets done talking. And at this point, I don't even know what to say. I graciously say, um, I, I thank you, I guess. I couldn't even finish my workout and I went home. And I remember in the car, screaming to myself in my head, does this guy think he is? Who does this guy think he is? I didn't know his employment. I didn't know his education. I didn't know anything about him. And he thought he had the authority to speak into my life, speak into a stranger's life. Well, this morning, we're going to continue our series through the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is confronted with a situation with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees ultimately walk away asking, who does Jesus think he is? 
And the cool thing about this story and the amazing thing about this morning is Jesus answers. And we're going to see how Jesus' response practically plays out into our lives. So we're going to kick off in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 1. You can follow along on the screen, or you can check it out in the app. So on a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them together in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you not doing why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Okay, off the bat, what is the Sabbath? Okay, what is the Sabbath? We read in Exodus chapter 20 where the Ten Commandments are found. It simply says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. That's it. So all the Sabbath is for is to rest, regroup, and to worship God to rest, regroup, and to worship God. And I got some good news for you. You're all here. You're enjoying the Sabbath. But in this text, that's all Jesus is doing. He's grabbing some post-church lunch, like you're probably going to do after this. And next we read that the Pharisees just happened to appear. They just happened to appear. And why were they following Jesus? The Pharisees were following Jesus at a stalker level. I don't know if you've ever had a stalker, but Jesus sure had one with the Pharisees. And what's happening in this text is this is about midway through Jesus' ministry. And Jesus has begun saying some things. He's been talking about this thing called grace. He's been talking about this thing called forgiveness, this thing called love, this thing called the kingdom of God. And people were starting to listen. And the Pharisees have begun losing ground. And next we read, at the end of verse 2, the Pharisees accusing Jesus of breaking a law. And again, like we just read, all the Sabbath is is a day to rest, regroup, and to worship God. Jesus didn't break that law. So what is going on here? You see, in order to protect the law of Moses, which is just the Ten Commandments, The Pharisees thought it would be in the best interest of the law that they create some new laws. And in order to do that, um, what they would do is they would see a law and say, we need to create some new laws, and these are going to be our laws. And because they were the smart ones to create these new laws, obviously they would become the self-proclaimed authority over these new laws. And because they were the authority, they could you know, confront someone and say, hey, listen, um, you're breaking the, our laws. And what the Pharisees had done is they had turned the law into an idol and built their own little kingdom and built their own little rules and built their own little authority around this thing. And then they became the self-proclaimed authority and lordship and God in their own life. But not Jesus. You see, Jesus wasn't breaking the law. He was breaking their laws. And I have a surprise for you this morning. Jesus doesn't care about their laws. And I have a bigger surprise for you. Jesus doesn't care about our laws. And in this moment, we see Jesus pushing back, pushing back against their self-proclaimed authority. And then at the end, Jesus responds. 
And let's check out his response, starting in verse 3. And Jesus answered them, Have you not read? Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those with him, and how he entered the house of God, took the bread and ate the presents, which is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him, and he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, with a raising of your hands, now I really can't see anybody, but with a raising of your hands, how many of you have ever broken a law? Wait, stop, stop, stop. Okay. Uh, There's some things that are just better off not knowing. But listen, you know when you've broken a rule or you've broken a law, there's a couple different ways you can respond. You know when you got pulled over for that rolling stop and an officer knocks on your window and says, uh, do you know why I pulled you over this morning? Uh, You have a couple different ways you can respond. And Jesus had a couple different ways he could respond. First, um, he could have said, well, I didn't actually do it. My disciples were the one breaking the law. I just happened to be standing here. I'm just guilty by association. No, you see, Jesus didn't do that because Jesus protects his people. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus protects his people. Next, Jesus could have launched some modern-day Twitter battle. He could have been like, well, listen, your interpretation of the law is wrong and my interpretation of the law is right and started doing Google searches to find things that are, you know, supported his opinion. No, Jesus didn't do that either. You see, Jesus dropped a hammer down and said, who you are determines whether you're free to break the Sabbath. And then Jesus says, have you not read? Have you not read? You see, the Pharisees, what we call professional students. You know, we're at OCC right now. You know, there's, you, you know that person in your life that always seems to be in school but never actually seems to accomplish anything? Yeah, those are the Pharisees. And you see, they spent all their years in school, and Jesus is basically saying to them, I thought you guys were supposed to be smart. You guys have been in school your whole life. Have you not read? This is an are you smarter than a fifth grader type question. (laughs) And then Jesus responds with a story about David. Why did he do that? I remember when I first read this test, I'm like, I don't really understand what's happening here. But you see, in the Old Testament, David wasn't just known as David. To these Jewish men, David was known as King David. And to the Pharisees, King King David was the greatest Jewish king that ever happened to the Jewish nation. He was the guy that had the sling and took out Goliath. And in 1 Samuel, God literally says that David was a man after God's own heart. David was a big deal. And David was an even bigger deal to these Pharisees. And in this moment, Jesus is basically saying, you gave a pass to David, why aren't you giving a pass to me? Which leaves the Pharisees asking the question, who does Jesus think he is comparing himself to King David? And Jesus responds with saying, I am Lord over the Sabbath. 
So what is Jesus saying here? What does that mean? What Jesus is saying in this moment is, you know those new laws that you made? Yeah, I'm Lord over those. And you know those new laws that you made for the law? Yeah, I'm Lord over those too. And if I'm Lord over the new laws and I'm Lord over the law, that means I am Lord over you. And in this moment, we see the Fer- the Jesus pushing back against the Pharisees, pushing back with truth, which leaves us saying, how do we respond? How did the Pharisees respond? How do we respond to a Jesus declaring that he is Lord, that Jesus is declaring that I am the authority? Well, we look at the way the Pharisees responded. And the truth is, we don't know. Because the writer Luke deemed it so insignificant that that the, the Pharisees' response was so insignificant that he didn't want to waste ink on a piece of paper. And knowing what we know about the Pharisees and their character, my guess is that they simply turned their back and walked away. Now listen, before we get too judgy, you know, before we get too judgy of the Pharisees going, whoa, those guys are pretty bad. Can we be honest for a minute? Just, just a minute. It's just you and us right now. Don't we do that ourselves? How often we claim authority and lordship over certain areas of our life. I know I'm guilty of this all the time. If that you're in this room right now and you said, listen, I'm a child of God. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I want your grace. Jesus, I want your forgiveness. I want your love. And then Jesus responds by saying, listen, Graham, Jason, Ava, Carly, I I don't want just your heart. I want your mind. I want your body. I want all of you. Don't we tend to take a step back? Listen, what would change? What would change if we began to let Jesus be Lord over every area of our life? What would change if I let Jesus be Lord over every area in my life? Some of you in this room right now, some of you in this room are struggling in your marriages. You know, you're saying, Jesus, I know I said I do. But, but he or she is not meeting my expectations, Lord. They are not, I, you know, I, I had a set of things that they need to fulfill, and I'm not being fulfilled by this marriage, Lord. Jesus, you don't understand. There's a burden in me. There's a pain in me. There's a loss in me, Jesus. You don't understand. It's painful. And Jesus is responding saying, I am Lord. Give it to me. Some of you in this room are living that single life. And you're saying, Jesus, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm swiping left more than I'm swiping right. It's tough out there. Jesus, there's a void in my heart. There's a, there's a loneliness that I can't seem to fill, Jesus. Jesus, you don't understand. And then that one night you're walking home from the sawmill with that he or she. Thinking, well, maybe this one night this person's going to fulfill me. 
this one night, this person's going to fill that void. And maybe for that one night, that person does fulfill that void. But then you get up in the morning, get dressed, and walk home, and that hole's still there. And Jesus is crying out, saying, I am Lord, give it to me. Some of you may be struggling in your finances. You're saying, listen, Wellspring does all these crazy CKAs. We're giving shampoo and toothpaste to people coming out of incarceration. Well, maybe if they just made better choices with their life, we wouldn't have to do that. Maybe some of us in this room are making too little. And you're saying, Jesus, the bills are piling up. You don't understand. I know you want me to be generous. I know you want authority over this in my life, but it's too tough. This is my area. This is my area of my life, Jesus. You don't understand. And Jesus is saying, I am Lord, give it to me. And whether this be your health or your sex life or your finances, addictions, whatever it may be, Jesus is crying out, I am Lord, give it to me. What would change if we began to let Jesus be the authority and Lord over these areas in our life? So Jason will tell you that the first person that you need to preach a sermon to is yourself. And over the last several weeks, as I've been preparing this sermon, there's been this nagging conviction in my heart. And for the last several months, I have been struggling deeply with situational depression and anxiety. And I won't go into the details, but there's been something going on in my life that is making me spiral out of control into a point where I didn't want to do anything. I lacked motivation. I didn't want to be a part of things. I just wanted to be alone. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. And in that moment, in that depression and anxiety, there's there's that little voice that says to you, stay quiet. Someone might know you're damaged. Someone might know that you need help. So he stayed quiet. And last week, Jason called me up as he usually do. We do a weekly call where he talks about some sports team or something, and I tune him out. And, uh, and about midway through our conversation, Jason said to me, you don't, you don't seem yourself. There's something going on. There's something, what can I pray for you for? I, Graham, I can tell you're different Be honest with me. And in that moment, I had a choice to make. In that moment, I could have said, no, I'm fine. Keep quiet. No, I'm I'm fine. You don't understand. I'm good. Or I could have went into this accusation, well, Jason, who are you really to, like, speak into me like this? Jason, I saw what you did last week. Um, You know, you, you worry about your own business. But in that moment, I, I, I thought of this sermon. I said, no, I can't run anymore. So after an hour-long conversation of letting Jason speak truth and wisdom in my heart, my prayer that night changed. My prayer went from, Jesus, uh, I have this situation, and I need you to do something about it because this is my life, and, you know, this is my, my priorities, and this is, you know, my authority, and I'm the king over my own life, Jesus. So when you have the time, can you work on that for me? Not quite like that, but pretty close. 
And my, night cha- my prayer changed that night to Jesus. I can't do it anymore. Je- Jesus, I need your freedom. Jesus, I need your grace. I need it all, Jesus. I can't do it. I need you to be my authority, Jesus. I need you to be my God. I need you to be my king. And in that moment, in that prayer, I felt unbelievable freedom. Last week, I had to ask myself the question, what would change? What would change if I let Christ be the authority in my life over every area? And the question left for you this morning is, what would change? What would change if you let Christ be the authority in every area of your life? Christ's authority and lordship changes everything. And Christ's freedom changes everything. The gospel changes everything. And freedom can be found in Christ when we're willing to say, Jesus You are God. You are Lord. You are my authority. Let's continue reading in Luke 6. On another another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. We read kind of like muscular atrophy. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. So they might find a reason to accuse him. But Jesus knew their thoughts. Mine knew. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And the man rose and he stood there. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save a life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and and his hand was restored. But the Pharisees were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Listen, how we respond matters. Last week, I had a choice of how I could respond to Jason. I could have kept holding on. I could have kept silent. Or I could have went into an accusation like the Pharisees just did. Jason, who do you think you are? I know what goes on behind the scenes. I know, you know, whatever, whatever. Jason, who do you think you are? And responded just like the Pharisees. And after the Pharisees confronted Jesus and having Jesus push back with truth, the Pharisees chose to react in retaliation instead of respond with surrender. Have you ever done that in a relationship in your life? Have you ever chose to react in retaliation instead of responding with surrender when you are confronted with truth? The mission of Jesus is you and I. We are his mission. And in this verse, we are seeing a quick glimpse into the very heart of Jesus. 
The Pharisees were there in that room to trap, conspire, and to judge. And Jesus was there to love, forgive, and to restore, fully restore. In this moment with this guy with this withered hand, Jesus could have said, I know your whole hand's withered, but I'm only going to heal two fingers. And, you know, I'll help you out a little bit. I'll make one of them a thumb. No, Jesus didn't do that because when Jesus heals, he restores. And when he restores, he fully restores. And today, Jesus wants to fully heal and restore you. But we need to surrender. We need to respond like this man responded. That Christ's authority spoke, and Jesus said, stand, and the man stood. And Jesus said, put out your hand, and the man put out his hand. And Jesus healed that man. This man responded to Jesus' authority. And this man experienced the freedom that comes when we respond to that authority. Jesus' mission is you. His mission is to love you. His mission is to forgive you. His mission is to save you. And in this moment right now, sitting in that seat, you may be feeling God tug at you a little bit. In that area of your life that you know, yeah, God, I've given you my heart. Yeah, I've given you everything. But this one area, this one area I haven't been willing to give you over. And you hear Jesus is tugging saying, I am Lord, give it to me. And for a lot of you, maybe for a lot of years, you were saying, no. This is my problem. I want the control. I want to be the king in my life in this area, Jesus. I don't want you to have it. And through that, we've been experiencing that slavery, that slavery to that old way, that slavery to that old way of life, that loneliness, that burden, whatever that is. And Jesus is saying, I am Lord. Give it to me. In these verses, Christ is ultimately offering freedom. And in these verses, Christ highlights the Sabbath, a true gift from God, a day to rest, a day to regroup, a day to worship God, and showing how, as people, we tend to build idols out of good things. We tend to build walls around areas of our lives and saying, no, Jesus, you can have everything else, but you can't have this. I want to be the king. I want to be authority. I want to set the rules. And Jesus' freedom brings freedom from rules and judgment and legalism and offers faith, grace, and forgiveness. But we need to surrender to him in order to experience that freedom. Which leads us to our big thought for this morning. Is that Jesus' authority brings freedom. That when we're willing to surrender every area of our lives, we're able to truly experience the promises of God. His promises of rest, His promises of wisdom, unconditional love, peace, forgiveness, grace, and supplying all of our needs. Freedom. In Galatians 5.1 we read, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This verse is the will for our lives. 
That it's saying that as Christians, that when we have given our hearts and lives to Jesus, we tend to take a step back. Go back to that old ways and saying, I know you want all of me, but there are parts of my life I'm unwilling to give. And Jesus is saying, that's slavery. That's slavery to that old way. That's slavery to your old self. And I want you to experience freedom. Christ's will for our lives is freedom. And that, oh, that freedom only comes through the authority that Christ carries. So what are you holding on to? What have you been unwilling to surrender? And this is my challenge for this week is to reach out. Some of you, maybe even today or this week, need to say, Jesus, Jesus, what is the area in my life? What is the area of my life that I need to let go of? What is the area in my life that I need you to have the authority over? Jesus, I can't do it anymore. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need you. Some of you in this room need to reach out like I had to reach out to Jason. Listen, the church is the hand and feet of Jesus. And maybe... Maybe this week you need to let the church be the hand that pulls you up. Maybe right after this experience, you need to talk to Jason or talk to your life group leader or find someone in leadership and saying, I need someone to pray with me. Some of you have been walking in this church week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year, with people saying, How are you doing? I'm fine. And then you go home, and you are dealing with that brokenness, that loneliness, or whatever that might be, and you have been unwilling to surrender and unwilling to let church and God be the thing that pulls you out. Jesus' authority brings freedom to our lives. But to experience that freedom in its entirety, we need to surrender. And we need to surrender not just our heart, but our mind and our body and our soul, every area of our life. Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to say, Jesus, I can't do it anymore. You are my king. You are my God. I love you, Jesus. Let's pray. Journey Father, I thank you for what you've firstly done in my life. I thank you that, that through this sermon, Lord, you have shown me areas of my life that I have been unwilling to let you be authority over. That there were areas in my life that I was turning my back on you like the Pharisees turned their back. but I thank you that you love me in spite of that. And I pray for the people in front of me, Lord. Lord, if there are areas in their life that they will reach out, now maybe they've been unwilling to do so. There have been areas where they say, no, I am authority, I am the king. And they can't do it anymore. Jesus, I also pray for those people that maybe have been saying, Graham, you've been saying to surrender parts of your life. 
small areas of your life, but Graham, I haven't surrendered any area of my life. And Graham, you've been talking about this freedom. You've been talking about this grace and forgiveness and love. I haven't experienced any of that. Jesus, I pray that for the ones that are saying that right now, that they won't leave this room without dealing with that. That you will so convict them in this room, Lord, that they will run up to the stage at the end and say, I, I want to know that love. And they can talk to Jason, you can talk to me, you can talk to someone and say, I'm ready to experience that freedom that comes in Christ with God. Jesus, please. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, you're our authority. And we want to experience your freedom on this holy ground. In your name, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. If this message had an impact on you, would you share your story with us? You can go ahead and email carly at wellspring.one and share your story. We would love to celebrate and praise God with you. You can also subscribe to this channel so that you don't miss out on any of the future messages and our unaccepted series here at Wellspring Church.